What is going on, amazing Mets legends faithful? This is Rob Pearsall, a.k.a. Jeremy Burnitz, and I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, Alex Carigliano Michelli, today starring as former New York Mets outfielder Alex Ochoa. Got to keep it in the Alex name. Alex, what is going on? You're a teacher. How's the school year been so far? And what's the best meal you've had recently? Well, in the interest of staying positive, I will revel in the fact that the beginning of my school year has been fantastic so far to um, anyone out there who might be pessimistic about the way school has been going ever since the pandemic. These ninth graders that I have this year are way more socialized than last year's ninth graders. So they're wonderful. I'm wonderful. It's kind of hard right now walking into school with my Met shirts and my Mets hats while teaching in the Bronx and having to... Um, it's really not all of them, just just the one, just my one kid, just my one boy who who he knows. He knows that the Mets are, are sucking right now, and he gives me a look, and I want to hit him. Anyway, we, we love our children. Best food that I've had recently? Probably the meal I cooked today, which was... Like a like a salmon pesto, with like salmon cooked into the pesto with with like pasta. Of course, it was it was wonderful and broccoli. Rob, tell me your best meal recently. Well, Alex, I'm glad to hear the school year is going well so far for you. Keep keep hanging in there, buddy. They're gonna get that 90th win eventually, though it does not look like it'll come against the Cubs. As Alex and I are recording, the Mets are down six to one. In the third inning, Tomas Nito just went deep to cut the lead into sixths. But best meal I've had recently, Crunchwrap Supreme from Taco Bell, easily. I actually had some pretty good pizza today. Went to a place that I haven't been to probably in 20 years when I was getting my hair cut right by the shop, and it was pretty delicious. I got a chicken bacon ranch slice. I got a regular slice, and I got this pepperoni roll that probably could have needed some Mahdi nod on the side, but we trudge on. Alex, Mets aren't doing so well right now. They're in a little bit of a rut. They did manage to take their last two series against the Pittsburgh Pirates in Pittsburgh. They lost the first game and won the next two. And then over this weekend in Miami, they did the same thing. I think that a lot of Mets fans were expecting the trend to continue after they lost a brutal game on Monday night against the Chicago Cubs. But they have continued to lose. They lost last night. They're losing tonight big. Not looking too good. This team's in a little bit of a funk right now. And for whatever reason, it seems like the air has kind of just been sucked out of the team so far. It kind of seems like they're kind of down in a little bit of a kind of down on their asses a little bit. So, Alex, what do you notice from this team? Is there anything that you can think of off the top of your head that you've noticed maybe that maybe is contributing to this or do you think it's just a peaks and valleys type situation where the Mets are just hitting a little bit of a wall right now? Well, I think it's definitely peaks and valleys, but it's exasperated. I mean, this is quite the Valley. It's totally exasperated by Starling Marte's absence. I think Bucks kind of reveled in the lineup consistency that they've had all year. They like to have people, in their spots and not moving them up and down the order all the time. I think it definitely created a comfort in all of our hitters and established a type of consistency all year. And with Starling Marte out, this is the most that we've seen any type of um, kind of what's the word? <laughs> I always do this. Like, like a, like a merry-go-round of, of like trying out different spots. Like, Canna and Jeff McNeil kind of up and down into the top four, just all over the lineup. Um, I mean, the only cons- I mean, Pete's moved up to four at some parts. Lindor's moved up to two. The only real consistency has been catcher at eight, and then or catcher at nine, and Nimmo at um, at first at, at leadoff. So I definitely think that could be contributing to it. They definitely miss Marte. Has there been any news on the Marte front? Is he is he warming up? Is he getting closer? So yeah, as Alex was saying, Starling Marte went down with an injury in Pittsburgh last week. Got hit on the hand of the ball. 
had a heroin type fracture, sort of like uh, uh, Francisco Lindor did earlier this season when the Mets were out in the West Coast. The swelling has gone down in Marte's finger, but I don't know if he started a rehab. He might miss a little bit more time than I think they initially expected, but hopefully he's trending in the right direction. But Marte has been such a rock for this team this year. He's been such a consistent talent for this team. Just an excellent pickup, his veteran leadership. Just really, really a good pickup for the Mets. And he's done a great job. So the Mets miss him. Also, since we last recorded, the Mets finally called up Mark Vientos, long-awaited prospect. Fans were calling for him for some time. He's finally up, has not got that monkey off his back yet, has not been able to get that first hit, that elusive first hit. He is in the lineup as we are recording, so that might change tonight. We'll see. But, Alex, it must be so tough coming up. And, and Vientos, you, you, had a, you have to figure – that it was on the back of his in the back of his mind whenever he got up to the plate in AAA that you know what more do I have to do to get called up so you know he was thinking about it, he was itching for it chopping at the bit a little bit now that he's here though it's a big jump from AAA to the majors I think a lot of people underestimate that but it's a big jump the the level of talent that you're facing is so much better in the majors and Vientos is kind of joining a team right now that's reeling a little bit has a couple guys that are banged up starved for offense a little bit and is kind of being thrown into this playoff race where the Mets really need some production. So there might be a little extra pressure on him and maybe he feels like there's a little extra pressure on him, but Alex thoughts on Mark Vientos and anything else that you'd like to add about that situation, please. Well, yeah, you're certainly right that it was long overdue. I definitely wish, and we'll get into uh, what I'm about to mention in a little bit, but I definitely wish they brought up Vientos back in July. It's not like he was suddenly hot the last two months in AAA. The fact of the matter is he was he was ripping the ball all season long. And I really think before looking out at different teams, at different potential bats to bring in, it definitely would have been worthwhile to bring up Vientos then just to see how it goes You know, when there's less pressure, not in the pennant race, the Braves were uh, still a little bit further back. And that way, it, it could have been a better situation for him. And if you think, oh, you know what, he's not ready to hit curveballs or breaking balls yet, we definitely need to find someone else outside the organization. Then that would be fine. But I definitely definitely don't like bringing him up in September when the Braves are right at our heels and, in fact, took first place for a minute before falling right back. So, and it's different from the Brett Beatty situation. When they brought Brett Beatty up, the Mets were not reeling. So there was no expectation. There was no like pressure on Brett Beatty to be the guy to suddenly save the Mets from their offensive funk or, or put the team on his back. He was able to just play freely and he got that home run in his first at bat. I don't know if he's as polished of a hitter as Vientos, but he's a more well-rounded, you know, all-around player. And, you know, they definitely like him where that's why he came up first. But now with Vientos, it's got to come with the pressure of having to produce, especially when with Darren Ruff reeling right now, it kind of does leave a spot. If, if he were to get hot this September, if he were to just really be that guy that he's been in AAA – all year or even just 90% of what he was in AAA all year, that would be something that could warrant a postseason spot over Darren Ruff. I'm sure something like that is on his mind. So it, it definitely can't be the right situation for him. I think I remember hearing that I think he hit a home run the day in triple in AAA the day that Brett Beatty was called up is, you know, it has to be on his mind, but I, I don't like this situation for him, Rob. What do you think? I think the whole situation is kind of perplexing. Obviously, I think Vientos does have flaws in his game. That's never not been an issue. I think that Vientos is destined to be a designated hitter. He's not great anywhere in the field. He's predominantly DH'd in the minors. He played a little bit of field, but he was more DHing. 
He came up as a third baseman originally. I mean, he's played outfield a little bit. He's played first base a little bit, but he doesn't have a home in the field. But other than that, I think that Vientos also, if you weren't planning to call him up until this point, I don't even know, truthfully, I don't even know if the Mets would have called him up if Marte didn't get hurt. I think it was kind of a last-ditch effort type situation. So the Mets, maybe they're not really crazy about Vientos. I'm not sure. I would have liked to see him get a chance a little earlier. I don't think he really had much more to prove in AAA. He was there for a lot longer than I anticipated. But I think that they probably should have given him a look instead of giving up what they did for Darren Ruff. And I'll use that as a segue into Darren Ruff. Obviously, I'm sure he's aware of it. Buck Showalter's aware of it. His teammates are aware of it. The fan base is aware of it. But Darren Ruff has simply not been good since he was acquired from the San Francisco Giants at the trade deadline. Even in the moment when the Mets first got Darren Ruff, I wasn't crazy about the deal, mostly because the prospects that they gave up, Nick Zwack and Carson Seymour, were two guys that were really putting together nice seasons in the minors. Some people will say, yeah, well, you know, they're a little old to be in the levels that they're at, but I got to tell you, those guys, Nick Zwack might have went on to be the organizational pitcher of the year this year. That alone was kind of upsetting, and then also the fact that they threw in Thomas Zipuki, who obviously didn't have a great outing when he pitched for the Mets this year, didn't look great last year, has dealt with a lot of injuries, but is a guy that the Giants looked at, okay, we can get this guy and we can make him into a left-handed reliever, and that's what they've really been doing. So I think that Zipuki, even him, is going to end up being a good piece of that bullpen for the Giants. They really should have just been able to give up J.D. Davis straight up for Darren Roth. Change of scenery type thing for both players, would not have been upset about that. Davis has been good for the Giants, but I think he needed a change of scenery too, somewhere where he could play every single day. But Darren Ruff just has not got it together for the Mets. And I think that it's more magnified because the Mets didn't do anything else at the trade deadline to kind of complement that. Yes, you got Tyler Naquin and you got Dan Vogelback, but those guys have kind of come back to earth too, even especially Vogelback. So, the Mets not getting that big hitter at the deadline really is looming large right now. And also you have Vientos and Darren Ruff and Dan Vogelback and someone like Terrence Gore on the roster right now who are really clogging up a lot of spots with not much versatility there. So it's not looking great. Um, but once you get to the playoffs, the Mets are going to make the playoffs. I think that's just we should say that right now. The Mets are going to make the playoffs. Whether it's a, as a wild card team or a division leader, the Mets are going to be there. And once you get into the playoffs, you just don't know what's going to happen. So, yes, it stinks right now that the Mets are struggling. But, Alex, before I get off track too much, do you want to talk about Darren Ruff at all? And kind of just, I think it's been a big talking point among the fan base. So, I mean, you know, it, there's no getting around it. He's been... He's been really bad. I know everyone talks about his current 1-4. It's got to be at like 36 now streak. But he wasn't good before that either. It's not like he pieced together some, 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 you know, a couple of good weeks before hitting this cold streak. He was okay. He had a couple of hits. Nothing big. He hasn't had any power since coming over. He hasn't hit a home run. Um, I, I feel like maybe like two doubles. I'm not looking at it right now. I think his average is like negative 300, something like that. I'm not exaggerating. Uh, don't laugh. <laughs> um, and so at this point, I he just can't be relied upon. I don't think he should be you know, on our postseason roster at all. Now, whether they decide to dig their heels in because people don't like to admit that they made the wrong move, who knows? But I, I definitely don't want to be super negative. I, I want to turn this around. Marte will come back. I think it ultimately it's really good that they decided to um, put him on the IL instead of having him play through it. I think we all remember how cold Lindor got after his own finger fracture back in June. And it took a while for him to come around again and then turn into lights out Lindor that we had, you know, in the first like month of the season. So I I imagine that he, you know he's a he's a he's a professional and he also brings a lot of swagger to this Mets team as well. So I definitely think there'll be a huge boost when he comes back. I think um, 
and then we'll we'll become much more well-rounded. The lineup will restore itself to some consistency. And I I actually see, and Rob, I, I've been bringing this up a lot, but because we have a platoon and we've been using a platoon at DH all season long, and that just you know th- there was only one stretch in July when it was working, and that's because Vogelback was on fire. And Darren Ruff was okay. He wasn't, you know, he was passable. So it was a little bit better than what J.D. Davis was giving us. But I look at this team. I look at what Marte is going to bring when he we can put him back into right field every day and the two-hole in the lineup. The fact that Buck likes to have D.H. at number five all the time. Guillaume is back. He's been a solid hitter, you know, 280 hitter. He He plays aggressively and he plays a terrific infield. I mean, a terrific infield. And I, you got to think that if they want to get this best team on the field, it's going to be with Guillaume playing third base every day, but not in a platoon situation, him playing third base every day and Escobar being our DH. I think, I think that is your best case scenario because then Escobar can be switch hitter and bat on both sides. Now, if you still want to platoon Guillaume, um, because I don't think he has great splits against left-handers. I don't have it in front of me right now. We could look that up. But if you want to do that and start Escobar at third on those days when we play against uh, left-handed pitchers, then you could still do that. But I really like the idea of having Escobar be our DH and just really shore up our infields, especially since... On the corners, Escobar hasn't been so great, and Pete Alonso has looked really bad on the other corner as well in that infield. So just to have Guillaume back in there, I think, will do wonders for us. Yeah, and I think that Guillaume is an underrated guy in the grand scheme of things. Obviously, within the fan base, getting him back is huge. But I think we underestimate how important he is to this team and how much more versatile he makes this team. And Guillaume is a guy who was such a big contributor for the team going, uh, go, will be going forward, but also in the past this year. So getting him back is going to be great. I know exactly what you're saying about allowing him to play every day, McNeil playing every day, as well as Escobar DHing. It really gives you a lot more options. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about playoff configuration too. My hot take for the playoffs, maybe it's a tepid take, but. I think the Mets should leave off both Darren Ruff and Dan Vogelback from the playoff roster. That's my hot take because I think that you can just have Vientos be the guy that could DH against righties or lefties, screw the splits, and then you can have someone that'll be a little bit more versatile that's able to play maybe infield or outfield, whether that is uh, now that you have Guillaume back, I think that obviously that replenishes the depth chart. But if you're going to carry Terrence Gore, too, you can't carry two players that are essentially the same in Darren Ralph and Dan Vogelback. Truthfully, Dan Vogelback was electric when he first came to the Mets. Big power, fan favorite, but he's really cooled off. And it seems every time he comes to the plate now, it's a ground out or a strikeout or a walk. He hasn't hit a home run, I think, maybe almost a month now, three weeks perhaps. So he's really cooled off. So you can't really have those similar guys on the on the playoff roster. Tyler Naquin, totally fine with him being on the roster. He, fourth outfielder, not a big deal whatsoever. But if you're going to carry someone like Terrence Gore, like I said, Darren Ruff and Dan Vogelback can both not be on this roster along with Mark Vientos. So. But to kind of break up the monotony a little bit, unless you wanted to add anything about the playoff configuration, Alex? I mean, I think I think you're definitely owed a reaction to that, especially a hot take of leaving Vogel back off as well. It's interesting, I, I, and that had me looking through the through the rosters again, trying to figure that one out, because that, I mean, yeah, he's been a negative. So, and especially if I if I was just talking about Escobar DHing, then what are you going to do with Vogel back? I think there's definitely there. There's definitely a worthwhile thing of having a deep bench. You know, back in back before the DH was a thing in the National League, it was really important for a National League team to have a deep bench because you had to cycle out the pitcher once that you pulled the pitcher and put a pinch hitter in in that ninth spot. 
to provide something, you know, and I think we've kind of gone away from having the the key pinch hitter. I feel like you don't see as many pinch hit opportunities anymore. So it, it does interest me in having at least some type of fearsome bat on the bench and not just like some net negative backup infielder, like a, you know, that doesn't really provide much else besides their glove, you know, someone who just couldn't cut it as a starter. So that that is interesting. And you know what? There was video of Brett Beatty taking ground balls at third base yesterday. So it's possible that they're looking at him to see if they could bring him back again. I, I, I'm definitely interested to see what, what that would provide, especially if Marte is out for a little bit longer. Because if you could have Beatty back and Guillaume at second and then put Jeff McNeil out in the outfield, if, if Marte is still going to be out, I, I think that's something that you could consider. I think that definitely adds more juice to it, especially if we're going to leave off uh, Vogel back end and rough, but you're not wrong about that. It's been really frustrating watching them, especially when they can't even provide like decent defense. So, but I know you wanted to segue into something more positive, Rob. Before we do that too, just one thought and Alex, I want to get your thoughts on this too, but as this Mets Cubs game is progressing tonight, Trevor Williams is pitching another really strong outing to kind of help the Mets stay in this game to a degree after David Peterson got lit up like a Christmas tree earlier. Trevor Williams obviously has been called upon in a lot of different facets this year, and he's performed well in all of them. Uh, And as I say that, he gives up a home run. Or, just kidding, it was a fly out. (laughs) It'd be pretty, pretty funny if that happened. But no, it was a fly out from Patrick Wisdom. Patrick Dumb, more like it. Got him. Trevor Williams, though, and Scherzer might be back soon. I think he's pitching tonight for Syracuse, which is Wednesday, four innings. So he might be back his next turn in the rotation. If not, though, Trevor Williams deserves a spot in the rotation for the next time through, in my opinion. Because David Peterson, his last couple outings have not been great. And Trevor Williams has been pretty consistent all year. So I know he's been great out of the bullpen, and but I really think that he's deserved a spot in the rotation if there's another injury or in the meantime, while Scherzer's still out. No, not a hot take at all. Trevor Williams has been arguably one of the most important pitchers on this staff this year. He's, he's provided so much. I think we've discussed before where last year's Javier Baez trade is officially the Trevor Williams trade. He's, I mean, what he's, what he's doing right now, he's into the fifth inning now after having to pull Peterson after one third of an inning after getting one out. So, and he, he didn't have a lot of time to warm up Rob and he's still out there and he started off with like four straight strikeouts, five straight. He, he's killing it. You got to have him. You got to have him in the bullpen for what he's able to provide. Give you this type of, not everyone could do this, give you this type of length out of the bullpen and still, if needed, give you, you know, a spot start. Peterson has not spent much time throwing out of the bullpen. I don't think he's viable as a bullpen option. I know just because just because he's a left-handed pitcher, there's been talk of him being able to be that left-handed guy out of the bullpen, but that that's a big that's a big ask. You're going to what if we're facing the Dodgers and and facing, you know, Freddie Freeman, you're going to bring in De- uh, David Peterson off the um, out of the bullpen as your left-handed specialist after not really having much experience in that role. He's not Pedro Feliciano in 2008. This this not how this works. So you know, we'll see, but I, I definitely think Trevor Williams has to be there. Scherzer will be back soon. You don't have to see Peterson. And I would say that in a negative way. Peterson has been huge for us. Peterson, you know, when we when we do Mets yearbook 2022, Trevor Williams obviously is going to get talked a lot about, but Peterson, who's given us almost 100 innings this year, has, or maybe more by now, has been a vital part of this season. So we'll see what it shapes up to be, you know, because we also, not only Scherzer on the way, but McGill is going to be here too. And even though he got rocked last night on September 13th in his last or latest AAA start, 
you have to remember too that Degrom kind of got lit up too in his last. I'm not comparing. You know, actually, maybe a hot take. Actually, you know, hot take. I was talking about this with my cousin. We're gonna keep going back and forth. I think with this, there's a lot of free agents this season. Obviously, we're gonna talk more about this in future shows. We could save this conversation for late October or early November whenever the Mets get eliminated from the postseason, whether that's after the World Series or whenever. But with all of our free agent pitchers this year, with the only guy guys under contract being Scherzer and Carrasco for next year, you have to imagine that, especially with Diaz in the market too, after this type of season, he's going to command $20 million a year. And then DeGrom wanting you know, Scherzer money. And then, you know, whatever you do with everyone else. I wouldn't be surprised because there's so much up and downs with with relievers. If maybe they look at McGill as a future closer. I say this without having seen him pitch out of the bullpen. But I know for some time that they've seen him as a reliever. Tim Britton spoke of how he talked to Buck Showalter back in the spring. Back when he was, you know lighting it up as a starter still and saying that he could see him being a very effective arm out of the bullpen in the future. He's just got that kind of stuff. And so maybe he's, maybe he's our future closer. If they, if they too scared to pay Diaz. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. And we've talked about it a bunch already on this podcast, but the Mets have a lot of free agent pitchers this year. Diaz obviously being a big one, but even beyond that, Adam Ottavino is hitting the free agent market again, and he's been a rock for the Mets. Seth Lugo, who, in my speculation, probably is not going to be returning next year. He's been really excellent for most of the season. He's had a couple bad outings early on, but he's as trustworthy as they've come out there as well. And then you have your Tommy Hunters of the world that are going to be free agents and um, Trevor May. So you're going to have a lot of guys. It's going to be a different complexion to the bullpen next year. Tyler McGill... I think would be a great reliever. I think you have to see how the starting rotation pans out. And that's only because DeGrom, Chris Bassett, and I guess just those two are free agents, right? Because Carrasco and Scherzer. Oh, and Taiwan Walker, of course. So it really depends how the rotation shakes out. McGill might have to start again. And I think McGill is a guy who can be a good number four in a rotation, maybe a number five guy. But yeah, I mean, if he's throwing hard like he was this season, throwing 99, which was incredible to see, he could be a really great setup man closer. But a guy that we didn't talk about who got a little cup of coffee with the Mets this year recently and just went on the IL, who I think is going to be a very good reliever for the Mets, is Bryce Montez Dioka. The extension that that guy has, his downward plane, is is excellent. He throws 102, too. So if he's able to just command a little bit better, he's a guy who I really think is worth looking after. And he has such a great story, too, just having battled so many injuries the last couple years and finally making it up to the majors this year. And, yeah, he had some outings where they were, like, a little here and there. But overall, he's been very, very fun to watch as he's made it through the minors, and especially this year with Binghamton and then AAA Syracuse and then coming up getting the call. So... Bryce Montez Dioka is a guy that I hope the Mets hold on to. I could see them trading him this offseason for someone, which would really stink. But I think he's a guy that if he's here next year, I'd be really interested to see him in the bullpen. And the guy that we didn't talk about really at all recently is Drew Smith. And he was so good earlier this year. And I think that he's a guy that's probably not a high leverage pitcher, but he could be a good middle relief guy for the Mets too. And maybe he was pitching hurt. We'll see what happens when he comes back, but he should be back soon too. So, But it'll be interesting to see what the Mets pitching rotations like next year. They might just have a $1 billion payroll. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Damn, I'm going to have to flag this as explicit now. But Alex, we're going to do two more things today. One we didn't talk about beforehand, but we talked about it a little bit last night. There was a picture that was released on Twitter yesterday, Tuesday, uh, where it is a lunchroom setup, and it asks, what table are you sitting at? And so I'll read you guys the tables right now that's filled with Mets players. So at table number one, you have Chris Bassett and Tomas Nito. At table number two, you have Carlos Carrasco and Luis Guillorme. At table three, you have Pete Alonso and Adam Adovino. At table four, you have Dan Vogelbeck and Jacob deGrom. 
Table five, you have tonight's pitchers, Trevor Williams and David Peterson. Six, you have Mark Canna and Jeff McNeil. Seven, you have Brandon Nemo and Max Scherzer. Eight is Francisco Lindor and Taiwan Walker. Number nine is Eduardo Escobar and Lugo. And 10 is Edwin Diaz and James McCann. And I just want to say before we say our answers, I'm so sad that there is no table that is Estarling Martes and Joely Rodriguez because I would absolutely sit at that table. But Alex, I'll let you pick what table you'd sit at first and then I'll tell you what mine would be. So definitely, and I, I had to give this a lot of thought. Two is very enticing. I like Guillaume and Carrasco a lot. Carrasco's, Carrasco's a little older than me, and I'm just going to assume we have some type of Doctor Who translator type thing because I don't think well, – well, Carrasco speaks English. Yeah, what am I talking about? My apologies, everybody. But, I mean, there's a lot of dad energy with Carrasco, and I do, I do like dads, but I'm not there. So, really, for me, I'm between six – with Jeff McNeil and Mark Hanna, and eight with Lindor and and Taiwan Walker. I like Mark Hanna and Jeff McNeil a lot individually. I definitely want to pick Jeff McNeil's ear on his on his dogs, on his puppies. I want to talk to Mark Hanna and find out how truly progressive he is, how much of a nice guy he is, and maybe get a look at that neck. But I think ultimately I'd have to go with eight just because I know for a fact watching them communicate and interact with each other in the dugout on online um, fashion wise Lindor and Walker just are just so fun to me I think sitting I think sitting with them could be could really be a lot of laughs and maybe they'll spot me some you know some very fashionable jackets or, or shirts or something but I really I really like that table you you won't see me at a table with DeGrom I would just I, I wouldn't even be able to look at him. It's just, it's, it's, it's like looking into the eyes of God. Um, I, I you'd, if I, sitting next to Degrom, I, my face would probably melt, a la um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It, it'd probably be something like that. So I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to melt. I'm not trying to melt, Rob. That's a good choice. I last night picked table number two, and that's because Carlos Carrasco is just such a nice guy. I love his charitable work. I love that he came to this country and just continued his charitable work. He's battled through cancer. He's a Roberto Clemente Award recipient. I'll give you a little fun anecdote, too, about Carrasco. But when he first came over here to play, and I forget what – he started out with the Phillies, and they traded him to Cleveland. So I don't know if it was with Philadelphia or Cleveland, but at some point in his early career – he didn't know how to speak English or he was learning English at the time. And the only thing he knew how to order was Domino's. So he ordered Domino's every single day. And then I think Domino's, you know, found out later on and they awarded him with, you know, X amount of pizza or whatever it is as Darren Ruff steps to the plate. And a part of me dies a little bit inside. <laughs> Alex is laughing off, off mic right now, but uh, yeah, but Carrasco and Guillaume, Guillaume, I would just love to pick his brain. I mean, he's, you know, he's got the nickname, the magician. So he's a really interesting character, but you know what? Now I think I would maybe sit at six with you with Canna and McNeil, but maybe seven because Nimmo really just seems like a nice guy. I'd like to pick his Wyoming brain, talk to him about whatever he does out there, but Max Scherzer. Oh my gosh. Darren Ruff got a hit. We might have to pause for a moment of silence for that baseball. That made it sound cooler than it did, but Darren Ruff did get a hit. Moment of silence for Drew, uh, for Drew Smiley. I know he's reeling right now. That was Darren Ruff's first major league hit, guys. First MLB hit. Cannot believe it. Struck out 10 years straight before that one. I'm sorry, Darren. You're a great guy. But seven, I think, would be an enticing table, too, with Nimmo and Scherzer. I mean, just that, that like, chaotic good and chaotic evil of, of those two guys like yin and yang like that's such an interesting pairing so i don't know i mean two with guillaume and carrasco is great six with mcneil and canna and then seven with with nemo and scherzer i think if i had to pick a table i would not sit at it would probably be number 10 maybe edwin diaz and james mccann that'd probably be my or, or I, don't, I don't know that one or maybe Maybe number nine with Eduardo Escobar and uh, Lugo. 
I don't know. Those would be my bottom of the tier type ones to sit at, but yeah. So I thought that was a little fun exercise. Um, but just before we go, me and Alex wanted to talk a little bit about how we first met and we talked about it on the first podcast we recorded together, but Alex and I first met at David Wright's last game, which was four years ago this week. And I remember that very well because that week, whatever it was, it was earlier that week. And I guess, or maybe it was a week beforehand, the Mets announced that David Wright was going to be giving a press conference. And I just kind of knew in my heart that this was the end of the line for Wright. Cause he was over the last couple of years before that, as everyone Mets fan knows is he was, he was rehabbing that injury, his spinal stenosis, trying to stay on the field. And it just wasn't working. And even in 2018, you know, there was hope that he was going to come back and it kept being delayed. And so when the press conference finally happened, I knew that that's what it was going to be. So I was at my computer. I pulled up Mets.com or Twitter or whatever the press conference was streaming on. And next to it, I had StubHub up because I knew in my heart that they were going to announce when his last game was going to be. So I went, you know, the, the press conference starts or whatever, and very emotional, Wright's crying, and I'm crying. And it's very sad because this is my guy and so many other people's guys. Just loving him as a kid growing up and seeing him play in the World Series and just that young infield of him and Jose Reyes was just so exciting. So this was like, I mean, at that point, he he had played for the Mets for most of my life. So, you know, after Mike Piazza, Wright was my favorite, as I'm sure many Mets fans feel. But I had StubHub up. They said September 18th, I think it was. I can't remember, but it was like, this is going to be David Wright's last game. I went to StubHub immediately, bought two tickets for me and my mom, and that was that. And we got to go to David Wright's last game. It was excellent. But Alex and I have a mutual friend named Franny. Hello, Franny, if you're listening. And she was always telling me, like, you know, you have to meet Alex. Like, he's great. He's as big of a Mets fan as you are. And I think Alex and I started following each other on Twitter, and we had made plans to meet. And you were living in Harlem at the time. So you got there and we met up. It was a Saturday, I remember. And so we met up and we probably hung out for an inning or two. And we talked right by the Shea Bridge. And so that was in a really emotional game. Just a lot of, you know, trying to fight back tears with the the post-game speech that he gave. And it was a 0-0 game until like the 13th inning. So it was just like you know, seeing his last at bats, the Mets not scoring a lot that day and then finally pulling it out. And so I, it was just, it was, it was very, very emotional. And so that day was, was a game I'll always remember. And Alex, what are your kind of thoughts on that? And here we are four years later and we're recording a podcast together, living a town away from each other. So it's funny how things, things work out. Yeah, pretty, it's pretty crazy, Rob. I remember being like really excited to meet you. You were someone I, I was following on Twitter for a while. I think I started following you on Twitter before I found out that you were someone who my friends actually knew. I was like, oh, look, there's, like, there's, there's a Mets guy. <laughs> you know, I think I definitely aspired to be some, you know, growing up with social media, You, I wanted to be one of those people with a lot of followers. And I was like, I, was, I remember being stuck at like 392 or something or like 292 four or something for like three years had like the same amount of followers forever it's like what do i gotta do what do i gotta do but and then i found out oh wait i followed this guy on twitter like oh i have mutual friends with him so then hi franny love you so so yeah so i remember too rob seeing that the giving the alert about the press conference having the same sinking feeling and i remember looking at those two games and I was about to just, before the, the press conference, I wanted to get ahead of it because I knew there'd be, oh, and Nimmo to, uh, just hit a ball on the uh, on the left side, driving in Darren Ruff through the wickets. Oh, that's a belly. <laughs> yeah, Wayne Carey, we just the cameras zoomed in on him. He's a legend. He's a legend. We love him. Drew Smiley looks looks pissed right now. Like He just gave up a hit to a minor leaguer, to, to a little leaguer. To Drew Frowny, no way. Um, but so I remember looking at those at that last series, and I was I was gonna try to like get it before the price surge, 
but I, I couldn't be positive which game it was going to be. I thought it was going to be the last game, but it was, it was wise to not make it the last game of the season. But I remember I, I sat back on it. I was trying to see if I could find my ticket confirmation on here, but I, I can't I can't find it. I can't imagine that I actually deleted it, but maybe I did. But yeah, you know, I, I got it. I, I got the ticket. Oh, you know what? That was the same day as Global Citizens Fest. And I remember I already had tickets to Global Citizens Fest, but once the right thing was announced and I got the day, I was like, I saw that there were still tickets available and there wasn't a surge. I was like, I gotta go. I gotta go to this. So uh, I talked about it with my now wife and, and you know, we agreed and she, she was in it. She actually gave her ticket to Franny, I think, um, and met up with our friends Roy at Global Citizens Fest. And I was like, all right, like you guys go to that. I'm going to go to the Met game. I forget exactly what my plans were because I could have taken the subway, but for some reason I knew I was in a, I I remember being in an Uber and having to get dropped off like way far away because of, because of how much traffic there was to the game. I I definitely had never been to a sellout before, especially at city fields. So I was, I got out all the way, like on the other side of Corona park and I just started running I mean, I was in a full sprint for a solid. I'm a I'm a runner, people out there. I'm a runner, so I, you know I was able to maintain it. And just hearing the cheers, I was like, ah, I was like, cry. I think I was crying, Rob. I think I was crying like while running, like some freak anime character. And uh, and I could hear the cheers, so I knew that that had to have been either them announcing his name or him up at bat. So I think I got to the game in like the second inning, maybe I missed his first at bat, and. So before that, I saw that Rob said that he was going to go. And I was like, you know what? I messaged him on, on Twitter and said, you know what? Let's, let's meet up. Let's meet each other. Rob's with his family. We we meet, I think, I forget it. I think you came to me. Or did I come to you? You, you, came, uh, you came to meet me. You I was sitting over, like, underneath the Pepsi porch or the Coca-Cola corner, whatever it's called now. And you came and met me over there. We met kind of by, like, the Shea Bridge, I remember. Yeah, I think I might have bought like standing room tickets too because I don't remember sitting down at all during that game. So it's possible I bought the standing room tickets. Which if anyone out there, if if you need a cheap ticket, like you just want to go to the game, the standing room seats are, are fun. It's it's a good time. So so we met up and I remember like kind of forcing conversation. We didn't really know each other, you know. It was like, but you know, it I, it was cool. It was cool, and I really wanted to like make like the friendship work because why not? I need more friends need I like mutual Mets followers but man that was just such an emotional day and then um Global Citizens Fest had that had that weird freak accident where you know because we live in the the United States in the 21st century there was uh specific specifically there was a barricade that collapsed that like or just like fell over at Global Citizens Fest and people thought it sounded like gunshots and I know there was a huge like crowd where people like ran off and ran away and I got like frantic phone calls i was like oh my god what's going on what's going on do, do i gotta leave do i have to go find i'm at this i'm at this really important game that means a lot to me do do, do i gotta leave i'll leave uh, um but everything was okay <laughs> but yeah that was just you know sometimes being a, a fan of something it, it's much bigger than just the sport because a lot of times it, i always feel dumb when i let the the play of the mets dictate my mood in a negative way and walk around, around, walk around with clenched fists, you know, just because my team lost, just because the people, the the grown men who play a sport that I like professionally did not do well that day, or you know, I I abhor people who who get into fights at these things. Like, why why are you fighting each other? We like the same game. So, but something like that, it just becomes bigger than the sport, because like like Rob, like like a lot of people listening. I was a Mike Piazza fan. I had his poster from the Scholastic Book Fair on my wall, and uh, and just eventually it just gave way to to a love and adoration for David Wright. Oh my God, my voice cracked. I remember waiting out by the parking lot where the players come out in two, at the end of two thousand five, and getting to talk to Cliff Floyd. Uh, he stopped and signed a hat and and a baseball. Getting to talk to Chris Woodward, Mets legend. And getting to talk to David Wright, and he stopped, and I was like, oh, "What am I going to say to David Wright? 
what am I going to say to David Wright? And I go, David, David. Um, I probably didn't say David. I was like, Dave, Mr. David Wright. It was 2006. I didn't sound like that. But I go, or 2005. I go, David, do, do you like Star Wars? Do you like Star Wars? It's definitely fresh on the heels of Revenge of the Sith. Great movie. And he just, you know, in his hokey David Wright way, he's like, ah, no, I, you know, I don't really like it. But, you know, I, I know it's a cool thing. So, you know, whenever David Wright wants to return to the stadium, he hasn't really done that. It was cool when everyone got to see him in in San Francisco. But, you know, whenever he wants to come back, I, ho- I hope he does. And I hope he becomes a major presence with the with the Mets for a long time because because we love him. And, and he really just means so much. And I'll definitely be there whenever they announce his number retirement, whenever that will be. And you got to imagine that's probably coming up soon. But that's such a funny story, man. I it's cool you got to meet those guys, Degrassi legend Chris Woodward. <laughs> they couldn't get anybody else, I guess. But yes, Chris Woodward was on an episode of Degrassi: The Next Generation. But very cool. I've never met David Wright. I just recently got to meet Mike Piazza for the first time when I was covering some games at City Field. That was really surreal. But yeah, Wright is the guy that's kind of been elusive for me at this point. He's I've not met him. Uh, I've met most of the 86 team at this point, but would love to meet David Wright one day. But yeah, he is definitely going to get his number retired at some point soon. I, I would, If I had a guess, I'd say probably next year. Uh, I think that he's the natural progression, unless they choose to retire another guy from the 86 team, which also is possible. I loved the Willie Mays retirement. I thought that was so cool. That's my dad's favorite player from when he was a child, the say, Hey kid, who always used to talk about how much he loved Willie Mays. So pretty cool that he got to get his number retired. And I think it goes beyond just being a Met. Obviously he had such an illustrious career and especially in New York too, just such a great player and great presence. So but yeah, very cool. Having met David Wright at Shea stadium, nonetheless, too. I miss Shea very dearly, but before we get going, as we always do, let's remember, let's remember some guys. So, Alex, would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first? I'll go. Um, and once again, I'm not, I'm not the one for the deep cuts, uh, so I'm gonna go with Andy Chavez, right? I feel like I'm, I feel like I take uh, like I cheat when I do this, but mostly because there's a student on my roster who hasn't shown up yet named Andy, and every time I see the name Andy on that roster, I go, "Oh, Andy Chavez," and it just makes me. I mean, he's on my mind every day now just because of that. So. You know, I try to be authentic with this. Who's the first guy that comes to my mind? And, you know, watching him at old timers day, it looks like he could still, you know, whip a bat around too. He's he's still got it. Oh gosh. I mean I oh, I love him. I that catch, I was watching that on my couch. I was watching that game on my couch, obviously where most people watch baseball games. And with my family, you know, it's culmination of a crazy year. He goes up and makes that catch and you just know that the Mets are gonna win that game. And then ultimately, Aaron Howman blows it. You know, maybe it wasn't fair to have him in that spot, and that maybe Willie Randolph could have put someone else in. But you know, I would definitely have to go through. That. I, you know, I haven't rewatched that game since. I was listening to a podcast recently, and they were talking about watching old games and how they went a lot faster, and how people really just they weren't their objective wasn't to get on base like 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 it is today. Like we love our on base percentage guys. But they're really just trying to get hits. And that's why pitchers were able to go deeper into games because people would swing earlier in the count and, and get ground outs and the game would just kind of move faster. So it, it's interesting to get the, the, you know, on the thoughts of like watching older games. And I might have to give that 2006, you know, game seven NLCS game another watch because I need to, I need to see how much I actually recall and, and what exactly, what beats do I remember and definitely, like, how would I have managed that game, you know? Because that, that 06 team is always so revered for me. But it was at such a young, formative age that you know, I could I could name the roster up and down. And I could, t- you know, tell you about how, you know, it wasn't just Carlos Beltran who struck out looking with the bases loaded. But Jose Reyes, I think he struck out, too. Maybe it was a pop-up. And, and Paul Duca got out, too. I mean, I think we had zero outs with that. So that was, you know, just a major failure. And, Hard to put that all on Carlos Beltran, who I still say is a Hall of Famer. Who, I mean, talking about number retirements, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Carlos Beltran is a Hall of Famer, whether it's first ballot or second ballot. You got to get him in there. And if he's 
if he's retiring, I think he said before that he would retire. He would wear a Mets hat. And if he does that, you got to retire his number, don't you? Beltron is definitely one of the most underrated players in the Mets franchise history. A lot of players, a lot of fans, for whatever reason, don't really love Beltron, which is funny to me because he's been one of the best. He was one of the best center fielders and then right fielders the Mets ever had. I mean, just put together some really awesome seasons. And I was really excited to see him be the Mets manager. I mean, we forget that that was going to happen, but Luis Rojas ultimately did because Beltran was caught up in the cheating scandal with the Astros. But yeah, I mean, I, I was so stoked when Beltran became, was going to become the manager. That was that was going to be like my childhood being re, relived. So, but Alex, why don't you go ahead and give me a year so that I could pick a, a legend? Let's go with those six. <laughs> Let's keep it in easy mode. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to flummox anyone today. That's. I think I've used that in back-to-back podcasts. That's crazy. Let's you know keep it 06, but you can you can keep it the obscure route if you wish, right? So Rob, 2006. Who's a Mets legend? The first guy that came to mind was Michael Tucker, outfielder Michael Tucker, who was actually I believe I don't know if he was on the NLCS roster, but he was definitely on the NLDS roster, kind of like a late season pickup for the Mets. But yeah, Michael Tucker, uh, and I remember Michael Tucker too. He has a card from. I think Donra studio one year where he's just wearing a cowboy hat. I don't really know why, but it's not as a Met. It's as a Kansas city Royal where he played for a long time, but was that his last season, Alex? Oh, six for the Mets. Yeah. So he played 35 games for the Mets batted a robust 196. though. We did have a 378 on base percentage and a 700 OPS. He had one home run, which I do not remember at all. I don't know where they got him from. Like, I think they just, they picked him up cause he, he didn't play anywhere else that year. Like he didn't. He he was with the Phillies the year before that. But yeah, Michael Tucker. He was a guy that you know journeyman type guy. Played twelve years in the majors and he made his way to the Mets. So, and the other guy I was going to think of was Jeremy Gonzalez. If you remember Jeremy Gonzalez, he tragically passed away. Was struck by lightning in in Cuba? No, Venezuela maybe. But anyway, he was like yeah. They, he was like playing baseball in Venezuela and I think and got struck by lightning after he was with the Mets, but he pitched a few games for that 06 team as well. So yeah, Michael Tucker, and then obviously Jeremy Gonzalez, but Alex, any parting thoughts or anything, or uh, you're ready to get on out of here? Rob, that Michael Tucker poll, like I'm stunned right now. I have no recollection of this guy. I'm looking at his face. I don't know who this, who, who who's man. I, I, Last game October first, so he was on that roster. You're, you, I'm flummoxed. Look, I'm using that word again. You, you really drive me crazy with this, Rob. I don't know how you really are a lunatic. I don't know how you're doing that, and you're younger than me. So how how old were you in 2006? Uh, eleven. I was eleven years old. You, you definitely were like that kid who was like reading cereal boxes and reciting ingredients out to strangers. <laughs> That's a sick hat. Are you kidding me? Do you have this? I uh, hope. You need to get this this baseball card. That's insane. Mike, Michael Tucker. Mike. All right, Mets Legends. This is Mets Legends. The card in question is the one I pulled up for Alex is the one where he's wearing a cowboy hat. It's a Kansas City Royals cowboy hat while he was with the Royals, obviously. Donruss Studio 2003. So very funny stuff. But thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. I'm going to Chicago this weekend. I'm going to be embarrassed to wear Mets paraphernalia, so I uh, might be laying low a little bit out there in the Windy City, but we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.